It's Tuesday the 25th of June and day five at the Africa Cup of Nations 2019. Welcome to Egyptian Dream, our podcast about AFCON 2019 brought to you by the team here at Planet Sport Football Africa from Passion for Sport. I'm Adrian Barnard and we're joined today by Solomon Izanga Shoms in Johannesburg and by Steve Vickers in Alexandria, Egypt. Well, it seems as if you're really enjoying this year's tournament. Thanks for all the questions and comments that you've been sending in. Steve will be replying to your questions a little later in today's podcast, and he'll even have one of his own to ask you. Uh, After all, we thought it was only fair for us to ask the odd question as well. Well, today there are two games, and we'll have our first chance to see the defending champions Cameroon as they take on Guinea-Bissau. And there's also Ghana against Benin, both matches in Group F there, being played in Ismailia. But uh, now let's take a look back at Monday's games. Solomon Izang Ashoms joins us now from Johannesburg. And uh, Solomon, last week you were saying that you saw the game between Ivory Coast and South Africa as being the key match in Group D. Well, uh, after last night's game between the two, when uh, Ivory Coast won 1-0 and Morocco's 1-0 win over Namibia on Sunday, how do you see Group D panning out now? Well, Adrian, my take was uh, the game between Ivory Coast and South Africa uh, you know, was the key match in Group D because uh, having two strong teams play in, in the very first game and uh, whatever result any of the team picks would really set them uh, you know, ahead of the, of the other. And because they would have to play a difficult game against Morocco, and then they would have to play play the last game against Namibia, and uh, I would say, you know, uh, Ivory Coast did the same. You know, did the right thing. The, the goal they got in the 66 minute was uh, the key that that they needed to be able to uh, make sure that they have the three points, and that was very important. The very first game, if you drop points, then it's going to be difficult for for you. And South Africa, unfortunately, dropped points, and now they have to play a difficult Morocco, even though they have. A good head-to-head against Morocco, and then they have to play uh, traditional Southern African rivals uh, Namibia. So it's really going to be very difficult for for South Africa. And I, for me, my take was the game between Ivory Coast and South Africa. You know, any team that loses that game, uh, you know, would find it very difficult to get out of this group. And unfortunately, South Africa would really find it very difficult to get into the round of 16. Uh, and it's 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 definitely very difficult. For uh, for them there and and in also in group d you know it's going to be very difficult for them because it's not a group that is just going to be uh, a, a really easy but if you look at the, the group standing right now ivory coast is you know on three points obviously with uh, sitting on, on top same as morocco you know but morocco goes down a bit so but they're all sitting on three points and namibia and south africa on no points. so the difficult game would be you know next game would be uh, very difficult for South Africa because now they have to go and play a game uh, you know that they that, that they would need to uh, to win you know they, they need to play a game to, to to win and to get the points and and that's what it is you know the game against Namibia for South Africa would be the game that they would have to get collect the three points with no excuse but you're playing against a rival that is very familiar with you uh, you know Namibia may not be your strong African side but at the same time they're very familiar with uh, with Buff- 
Bafana Bafana. And you have Ivory Coast who also would get a chance to play against Namibia. And if they get the three points against Namibia, that's going to be six points. And South Africa against Morocco, that's going to be what is going to be really difficult. So I would say, you know, for me, I, I think Ivory Coast is some is some pole position right now based on current form and how they have played their game. Uh, you know, and, and Morocco also uh, it may just have a chance, but South Africa may bounce back, but it's going to be very, very difficult uh, uh, because South Africa was supposed to get a good result, either a point or win against Ivory Coast to make it difficult for Morocco, who has not been playing well, who during the, 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 the warm-up games before this uh, it, uh, you know tournament, they've not been playing very well. So, uh, but... but I, they played what they had to play and they got the result that they had to get and, and that's what it is. Yes, well, uh, I'd say that Group D for me is still very much open but uh, as you say, Solomon, South Africa do have to pick up three points in their next game which is against Namibia on Friday and then pull out all the stops in their final game against Morocco. Well, also on Monday we had two games in Group E so let's start with the clash between Tunisia and Angola that ended uh, in a one-all draw. What did you make of that, Solomon? Well, the game between Tunisia and Angola, very interesting. Tunisia, you know, came into this tournament as the second highest ranking FIFA team, uh, you know, in Africa. And they got that penalty and they were, you know, comfortable with the 1-0 lead in the first half. Despite not creating really many good chances, the Angolan on the other side responds uh, in a good way in the second half with uh, improved performance, with Geraldo being brought on as a first half uh, substitute and they needed an error uh, from Tunisian's goal the Tunisian goalkeeper to be able to score and, and to level you know the playing field and after that Tunisia reaction was dull you know they didn't really get uh, you know uh, create those opportunities that they need to create and 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 it became very very difficult for them and I think it's going forward it's definitely going to be uh, you know difficult for uh, for Tunisia because you you can't just you know be ahead and and not you know wrap up the game and that's what they that's what uh, uh, happened to them and they remember they would have to go and and play Mali and also there's a game against uh, Mauritania obviously that game against Angola was supposed to be you know the good start that they that they had intended for to get the three points against Angola uh, but they couldn't really get that game so group group E is looking a bit you know, it's still very tight right there. And uh, Angola has a chance. Tunisia has a chance. But but I feel t- Tunisia you should have won the game. But Angola on the other side, you know, played very well. They had more possession. They created more opportunities, you know, shooting and goal. And uh, so they definitely deserve to have the 1-1 draw, uh, which is what they definitely need uh, to be able to get a good start. And looking forward to the game against uh, Mauritania and also a very strong Mali side. Well, yes, indeed, Solomon. And we saw evidence of the strength of Mali on Monday night as they faced Mauritania. And now, before the tournament began, there was a lot of praise for Mauritania, who'd qualified for their first ever appearance at the Cup of Nations. Now, they were up against Mali, who were making their 11th appearance at the Cup of Nations, and it was Mali who won 4-1. So your thoughts on this game, Solomon, and how the two results leave Group D with each team having played each other once? 
Well, a lot of people, you know, expected Mali to win against Mauritania. Mauritania coming in for the very first time playing in the Africa Cup of Nations. And I think it's just a joy for the Mauritanian fans and also for them to listen to their national anthem at the beginning of the game. And uh, it would be unreasonable for them to expect to win against a Mali side who's back-to-back, who's been consistently appearing, you know, at AFCON tournaments. It's all about inexperience, you know. And, And Mali definitely with the 4-1 victory they really stamped their authority all over Mauritania it was a it was a one-sided game until you know Mauritania in the second half got that penalty to be able to get a goal but at least they got a goal and and you know there are teams that come to the Africa Cup of Nations and go back home without a goal and and getting the goal in itself would send you know, a huge celebration and something to appreciate for football fans in uh, Mauritania and also the players. It would be a huge encouragement for them to, to score against a, a very strong Mali side who, who I feel will dominate, you know, this group and would go ahead and hopefully even clinch the first place in, in, in this group. And, and we have to really look at it and, and dissect it and say, look, uh, Mauritania is definitely in there to give... Uh, Teams are run for their money, even as much as they're inexperienced. But they might just be the spoiler. They might just spoil it for Tunisia or spoil it for Angola. But they're in there. We hope to see how, how that is going to, to pan out. But but this game definitely was a game that, uh, you know, showed that, you know, Mali is ahead of uh, of Mauritania, the Mauritania coming in for for the first time, and 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 they trying to get more experience, but it just left the group, you know, a bit quite wide open. Mali is way ahead of everyone in the group right now, but um, so Tunisia and Angola would have to struggle, and Mali, you know, have to uh, play against uh, Tunisia and Angola, and how uh, Tunisia and Angola play against Mauritania would would also. Uh, that's a tricky one would also you know determine who is going to really go on to be in first place or second place I think the goal differences at the end of the day would count for the two teams that would qualify and get out of this group and yes so Mali with those four goals are the highest scorers in the tournament so far Uh, so thanks for that uh, Solomon and we'll look forward to having more from you in the podcast on Thursday So what are your thoughts on the way the tournament is unfolding so far? Do you agree with Solomon that Mali are going to be a threat this year? Or is it perhaps unfair to assess that after just one game against the debutants Mauritania? And what about the chances for Ivory Coast, South Africa and Morocco in Group D? You can get in touch with us on WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And we look forward to hearing from you. Well, as we said at the top of the podcast, it's been great to hear from you with your comments and questions. I'm pleased to say that Steve Vickers is standing by now in Alexandria to answer your questions. And uh, first off, here's Musa Balde, originally from the Gambia, and now he's living in Ghana. Yeah, actually, the tournament is amazing. It's it's really amazing. But this time, I mean, looking at the facilities, the stadiums and the parks, the pitch itself, I think this time around, this edition, I can say is... One of the best, I can say, addition, the standard of the stadium and the playing grounds, everything is intact, everything is fine. Coming to the competing teams, this time around, one team have really caught my eye, that is Madagascar. Looking at their first game against Guinea-Conakry, actually it was a high-tempo game. 
the way they executed their football it was really interesting to watch of them bearing in mind this was their first appearance at the afcon but the way they played they played high speed just amazing to watch so i expect more from them in their second and final game so really the afcon is just amazing to watch well, thanks for that, Musa. And yes, a very creditable two-all draw for Madagascar in their opening Group B game against Guinea on Saturday. And uh, Steve, you'd like to comment on the point that Musa made there about the pitches. Well, I'm very impressed with the pitches here, Musa. Uh, indeed, African football is often associated with poor playing surfaces, even at the Nations Cup. Uh, Gabon two years ago was a problem, especially the venue in Port Gentil, which was very heavy and sandy. Uh, even in South Africa in 2013, uh, some of the pitches were sandy, especially the one in Nelspruit. I went to matches there, uh, so sand would be coming up uh, as the game wore on, coming up from uh, below the turf. Uh, here it's looking well class uh, I saw at the Alexandria Stadium their sprinkler system so after warm-up uh, the sprinklers popped up uh, from below the surface and the uh, pitch was watered and ground staff came on and uh, put any bits of turf back in place and gave other touches that were needed to make sure that it was an immaculate playing surface. Remember I went to a game last year in the UK at Swansea's Liberty Stadium and it's uh, just the same as what I saw there so I'm very very impressed. Now, Andrew got in touch from Ireland saying, what do you think about the offside decision against Zimbabwe against Egypt? Otherwise, that was a very good opening game on Friday. It was well refereed with play allowed to flow. Uh, Steve, your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I'm not so sure about the offside decision, Andrew, but I do agree with you that it was a well-refereed game and uh, all have gone well so far. But uh, there is bound to be great scrutiny for the referees here as uh, many fans around Africa feel that North Africa gets preferential treatment uh, with referees and the decisions that they make. Uh, those, of course, are only feelings and uh, just uh, allegations. Uh, also worth noting that Egyptian referee Gayhad Grisha was suspended by CAF uh, for his poor performance in the first of the Champions League final uh, but uh, so far so good with the refereeing yes uh, absolutely Steve well now uh, Kitten Gedja Godfrey in Uganda was impressed by the Cranes opening 2-0 win over the DRC Dennis Onyango Uganda's goalkeeper will outshine the rest says Kitten Gedja I'm very sure he's going to lead Uganda to the semi-finals this time around he's been Africa's number one goalkeeper for three consecutive years now and Kitten Gedja adds, We're going to continue shocking the world with these golden generational talents. <laughs> well, we'll have a better idea of the Cranes' hopes this year after their game against Zimbabwe on Wednesday. Time for another question now, and here it is from Bakari Nayasi in the United Arab Emirates. And Bakari asks, Has Sierra Leone ever qualified for the Cup of Nations before? Steve. Well, Bakary, uh, they've qualified twice, uh, back in 1994 and 1996, so a long time ago, and they didn't get out of the group stage on both occasions. Uh, they were thrown out of qualifying for this tournament due to a FIFA suspension, but that's now been lifted, so there's a chance for some stability now in Sierra Leonean football. And I would feel that with this expanded 24-team format, there's a big chance for the Leon Stars to qualify uh, even from the next edition. Indeed, back in 2017, there were very unlucky not to make it they needed an away win against Cote d'Ivoire in their final qualifier they drew 1-1 and they had a last gasp shout denied there 
Okay, and now we have the same question that's been asked by several of you. Fode Cisse in Sierra Leone, Sana Jorne in the Gambia, Gemo, a Cameroonian who lives in the United States, and Josia Ravino Capucci in Malawi. Here's a question. Is VAR being used at AFCON? And if so, why haven't we seen it yet? Well, Steve, a lot of interest on that one. Well, the VAR will come in at the quarter-final stage and it's going to be very interesting because it's yet to really be established successfully in African football. It's still early days. Remember that huge controversy in the second leg of the CAF Champions League final where the VAR was there, but it wasn't working and Widad Casablanca refused to play on after a questionable decision and Esperance were stripped of the title in the aftermath and that game is still set to be replayed. Uh, so yes, the quarter-finals onwards and it's going to be interesting to see if all goes smoothly with it. Okay, uh, stay with us then, Steve. Now, uh, Joseph Adelino is enjoying the tournament in Namibia. Yes, for sure, this is a great tournament for us, says Joseph. In our first game against Morocco, the Namibian performance wasn't that good, but thanks to our goalkeeper, he saved so much. If we improve, we can go far. Our group has got great nations, which is a good thing, because that makes a competition much stronger. Good luck to the Brave Warriors, says Joseph. Yes, and uh, the Brave Warriors' next game is the local derby against neighbours South Africa on Friday. Well, next we turn to a question from Abrima Kante in the Gambia. How organised is Egypt concerning about the, the tournament? We all know that you know the stadiums are not full, the capacity, some games, you know, very few fans are there, very few fans are there. So my question is, how is the organisation? Steve, your thoughts on that? Well, Abrima, yes, I know this is always cause for concern at the Nations Cup. Uh, when the hosts are playing, there's uh, huge crowds and uh, most of the other games you tend to get small crowds and uh, uh, the early indications are that that's the situation here. So where I am in Alexandria, it's a 20,000 capacity stadium, uh, but the games on Saturday, Nigeria, Burundi had 3,000 fans and Guinea, Madagascar had 7,000. But uh, apparently these games were actually sold out. Uh, there weren't any more tickets available. I'm told that a good number of tickets were given to corporates, to sponsors uh, of the event, but uh, clearly they didn't actually use the tickets. And also it is quite complicated for fans to get their tickets. Uh, you can only buy online. You can't go to the stadium and get a ticket. And to buy online, you first have to have a fan ID. So you need to enter some details there to get your fan ID online. And then you can buy tickets online after that. Uh, the idea is uh, as a security measure, but uh, it is cause of concern that uh, games where you've got players like John Michelo B, Nabi Keita, Wilfred Zahar are playing uh, in front of uh, fairly empty stadiums. OK, thanks then, Steve. And now it's good to hear from Roy, who's a tourist in Cairo. And Roy says, During football matches, the Egyptian fans turn on the flashlights on their phones and wave them in the air. They do it on about the 20th minute and then again in the 73rd minute. Have you any ideas what it's about? Well, Steve, I think you've got the answer there. 
Well, uh, this marks two of the saddest incidents in Egyptian football. Uh, let's start with the 74. This was the worst disaster in the game in Egypt uh, back in 2012 when 74 fans died uh, to Port Said in clashes between supporters of Al-Masri and Al-Athli. It led to the suspension of the league. Uh, that suspension was lifted in 2015 and soon after we had this other incident where 22 Zamalek fans died outside the stadium as they were trying to get into the June 30 stadium. That's uh, one of the venues for the Nations Cup. Uh, that again led to a suspension of the Egyptian league. So good at least that uh, the fans here are remembering those who lost their lives. And now finally, here's Nji Fas Omar Sahu in The Gambia. I'm just advising the footballers and referees, all who take part for, for this tournament, uh, to respect their jobs, really, uh, and then avoid the such as nasty things that will happen sometime in the uh, European Cups, uh, really. We are African, we should be uh, do the job, really, and then respect the job, really, because we are African. We need a good, 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 good football, and then football right now have no home. So good luck, good luck, good luck. My team is Ghana now. So, indeed, they're hoping that we'll have an incident-free Cup of Nations this year, avoiding some of the negative off-the-pitch issues that some other tournaments have experienced in the past. Uh, and we echo his final comments there. Good luck to all the teams at this year's AFCON, at this year's AFCON 2019. Uh, and now, Steve, I believe you've got a question for us. OK, here's a question for you then. So, who am I talking about here? He's a former English Premier League player. Indeed, he used to play for Chelsea. He's currently without a club and he's bounced back to his national team here as captain. So who am I talking about? Former English Premier League player. He played for Chelsea. Uh, currently, though, he's unattached and he's bounced back to his national team as captain. So who's that? Oh, great. Well, thanks for that then, Steve. So have you any ideas who Steve is talking about? Well, you can contact us on WhatsApp with your answer to that question and also with your own comments and questions for the team here at this year's Cup of Nations. The number is plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And we'll look forward to hearing from you. And we'll give the answer to Steve's question in the podcast on Thursday. Well, tomorrow, Ida Waringa will be with us again from Nairobi, reviewing today's games between Cameroon and Guinea-Bissau and Ghana and Benin in Group F. And finally, remember that we heard earlier from Njifas Omar Saho, the Black Stars supporter in the Gambia? Well, here's his prediction for today's game. My advice for my team, Ghana, <laughs> need to be 4-0. I, I, I need to 4 goal to 0, reality. I want Ghana beat Benin 4 goal to 0. So let's try hard, let's try hard. I think it's going to be possible to win. <laughs> wow, 4-0? Well, we'll see, eh? Enjoy today's football then, and I'll be back again tomorrow, Wednesday, with more from the Cup of Nations 2019 in Egypt. So, until then, from Solomon Izang Ashoms in Johannesburg, from Steve Vickers in Alexandria in Egypt, and from me, Adrian Barnard, thanks for listening, and Egyptian Dream is a Planet Sport Football Africa production for Passion for Sport.